You're about to hear my conversation with Richard Wong. We talk all about value. We talk about why he feels the current market condition is very favorable for value and why he thinks it will extend for a long period of time. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnurr, and I'm delighted to have Richard Wong here today. Richard leads our Kundal team, who are well-known value investors. Richard, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Matt. Good to be back. Uh, thanks. Thanks so much for coming. We had you uh, fairly recently on back in December, uh, about a month after the uh, vaccine efficacy uh, was announced. And that was really where we saw a large sort of regime shift in the markets with value really starting to outperform growth. Um, you know, the value rally reminds me a little bit of Christmas when I was young. It seems like it could never come. Uh, and, and here we are three, four months uh, along uh, this this rally. You know, is Christmas finally here for value? Do you, do you expect this to be more of a prolonged rally that we've seen uh, in the recent past? You know, I am going to quote um, John Templeton here, and many of you have heard of this before, too, that he has said that bull markets are born in pessimism and grows on skepticism and matures on optimism and dies on euphoria. Mm. So in that line of thinking, last year was the most pessimistic environment for value. It's probably the worst year value in, uh, for value investing on record. And in my collection, in my recollection over the 24 years of career I've had in this business. And so I believe we're in a new investment cycle and a new economic cycle. And that's why I believe value is going to have legs here. And it's going to be a more sustainable performance period, unlike the previous uh, recent times that, you know, people have felt there's some head fakes in value, but mm -hmm. we are in a new new economic cycle. And and that uh, and it was the most pessimistic time. And I think value didn't build on pessimism. There's a lot of skepticism right now. And that's healthy. That means it's got a lot more fun flows that could potentially come back in to participate in value. At the, on the flip side of that, last year was the most euphoric environment for growth stocks. I mean, they hit the highest multiple valuation, and it was the most perfect condition for technology stocks that benefit from work from home, shop at home, do everything at home, never leave home. And, and those stocks have had the perfect environment for them to perform well, and they're going to face very difficult comparisons going forward. On top of that, their valuations are extremely stretched now. So I feel very good that that's, that hit the peak of the bull market for growth. So I think leadership has ch changed truly. Great. Uh, so, so you mentioned market conditions has changed. You, you talked about the market conditions that underlie underlied the uh, real run up in growth. Uh, certainly, twenty twenty uh, was was a, a very positive market for growth. You know, the past call it five six years have been very positive for growth. What gives you confidence, and what's behind the market conditions changing uh, to be more favorable for value? Yeah. So in the last handful of years, uh, the market has been, you know, quite concerned about an extended economic cycle. You know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, when is the next recession? This ex this economic expansion, the last one, 
couldn't keep extending. You know, it started in 2008, 2009. It was people were feeling that's long in the tooth, uh, you know, and, and, and the GDP was slowing down. There has been no inflation. Uh, and so all of those environment was uh, conducive for the multiple expansions of growth stocks. When you couldn't find actual economic growth, uh, investors are willing to pay anything for secular growth, any sort of growth, you know, internet sure. stocks are growing 30, 40, 50% a year. Let's, you know, it doesn't matter if I pay a hundred times P I'm just picking up a number. Uh, and, 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 uh, a lot of the cheaper sector to the sectors of the market, they were cyclical. And, and so people didn't have confidence to, to, to own cyclical stocks. And that was quite extended. What's different now is that we already had a very deep recession. The thing that the market was worried about the last five years took place. Bond yields went trough, like went down to 50 beeps, 10-year bonds. Right. And uh, we had a very deep recession. The worst quarter was the negative 30% annualized GDP. So we're now coming out of that recession with, you know, a $900 billion stimulus plan passed in December, another $1.9 trillion in the U.S. just passed recently, and more talk of uh, infrastructure spending, Europe is also thinking about spending. Uh, so, so I think a lot of those worries are not with us. A, interest rates are moving up in the bond market. They are not the short rates, but the long bond yields, reflecting right. the market's expectation of higher inflation to come. Second, there's a lot of fiscal stimulus because monetary policy has run its course. You can't push on a string anymore. Interest rates have hit zero, literally, and can't go much lower. So, so now there's fiscal stimulus coming in, and I think that's going to be kickstarting a new economic cycle, and that's why it's going to be a very different environment. Makes makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess maybe to get more into how you think about identifying value uh, companies that that maybe play on some of these themes that, that you've just laid out. Um, I, when I think about uh, the major outliers that we've seen over the years. It's, it seems like it's relatively easy to identify um, stocks that are, you know, absurdly expensive. Think of the meme stocks, maybe crypto you could throw in, some of these IT that uh, benefited from the work from home. Um, you know, how expensive right. they are is arguable, and if they can continue the growth and grow into the valuation is arguable. But it seems relatively easy to identify them. To my mind, it seems harder to identify cheaper companies because, you know, we have been through this fundamental change. There is some, I think we could both agree that there is some very um, significant shifts in how we look at the economy, you know, the work from home where we're probably not going to go all the way back to the office and where we were before. You know, how do you how do you think about identifying those value companies, the ones that are cheap, and making sure that you're not getting into these value traps, ones that never seem to to pay uh, to to pay off in the long run? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question, Matt. And I I, I think um, you know, as a value investor, avoiding value traps is very important. And so for me and for my team, the most important thing is to identif identify the catalysts and drivers, thesis of change, right? I mean, it's, it's easy to just go and do a screen and look for low PE stocks or low price to book stocks. Uh, but the most important skill that we bring to the table is to identify which stocks are going to re-rate, uh, which companies are going to have a solid recovery plan, turnaround plan, the world position to have upside. 
and that uh, it's going to be it has to be a thesis that that uh, we track over time. And, uh, you know, we look for, you know, if they have to de- deliver the balance sheets, then when are the asset sales going to come? Uh, when's cash flow going to come? Uh, if they're going to have margin improvements, what is their plan to cut costs? How are they improving pricing? And if it's more of a, a sector cyclical recovery, then monitoring the, that particular sector, may it be commodity prices or, or consumer demand in the end market. So we spend a lot of time debating and talking about the drivers you know, for re-rating for these stocks. And that's, that's the most important thing. Right now, uh, we, we like, um, the cyclical sectors. Obviously, I mentioned we're at the beginning of a new cycle. Uh, but balance sheet is also important. And, and that doesn't mean that we take the, take on the, you know, the, the, the most risky cyclical stocks. I think that we want to find companies that have a, a very strong competitive position. Uh, they're well positioned to recover. And then if things do not go up, in a straight line that they have the balance sheet to to weather any bumpy uh bumpiness along the way so so we we do like uh we're finding opportunities in in, in the cyclical area consumer cyclicals financials for example great um and you you did mention resources earlier i'd love to just uh, stay on where you're finding value uh, currently um so consumer cyclicals financials resources i mean resources to me always sticks out uh, as there is a, a lot of talk, and you reference the infrastructure that might be might be coming down the the pike uh, of the renewable shift and, and sort of the call it the death of uh, oil and gas. What's your view on that? Uh, you know, are you finding that these companies are are really attractively priced, or or do you or do you fear the long term uh, implications for them? Yeah. So, uh, Matt, in I, I I agree that in a in a generally more inflationary environment, uh, resource type companies could be attractive because the prices of their you know products could could be going up with inflation, and also those sectors have been really beat up right last year. Materials, energy, they've been really beat up, and so they they are they are open uh, economy stocks. I mean, they they have they they have leverage to an opening of of society to normal economic activity, which we are beginning to see. We're still at the early stages of that yet. I think in the next couple of quarters, we're going to see some very good uh, industrial numbers, consumer numbers, GDP numbers globally. So they'll benefit from that. Um, Specifically uh, in energy, though, um, uh, energy is is an interesting sector in that it's, it's got the interplay between supply and demand. Right, you have demand which is coming back, uh, and uh, we are seeing that. You have a sector of stocks that are very cheap, uh, uh, and they are still quite cheap right now. Um, and they will recover when the consumption of petrochemicals, may it be for travel airlines or even just production of plastic products and so on, sure. to drive the demand for those products. On the other side, you do have OPEC Plus with spare capacity that they're sitting on. And, and that uh, is in their interest to generate as much revenue as possible. So at some point, you would expect that as prices continue to improve, and they have been, they would probably turn on more of their, you know, drilling activity and, and, and release some of the reserve capacity and so on. So, so what we uh, have exposure to in the energy sector are global major oil producers that have a lot of free cash flow coming. They, they have strong balance sheets and they are paying really healthy dividends. So they will immediately benefit from a rising in oil price. 
and and that because they have a strong balance sheet and they have a, a very good dividend, uh, we believe that they would be able to weather uh, any bumpiness along the way. Uh, what we are not playing at right now is, you know, energy service companies, frac sand companies, or mm. offshore drilling companies. Um, we are um, not convinced that at this moment there will be a huge capex cycle in the energy space. So actually, the producers themselves who are cutting capex, preserving cash, paying out the cash and dividends, they are they are they're going to be very rewarding for shareholders. So we do have uh, positions there. Great. Um, when I think about values uh, companies in the past, uh, one characteristic that they often have, although not always, is that they are capital intensive businesses. Um, you referenced the monetary policy and, and sort of being at uh, ultra low uh, interest rates and, and pushing on a string now. Um, you know, for for companies, that means excessively cheap access to capital. How does that change uh, your your universe? Do you find that capital intensive companies are still an area of interest for value investors and yourself, um, or or are they are less attractive given where interest rates are? Um, well, interest rates primarily has had an impact on the capital markets in driving up uh, long duration assets, uh, particularly long bonds in the prices of long bonds and also growth stocks, which are considered long durations because their earnings are very far away in the future. Right. And so when interest rates are low, uh, that those future earnings are worth a lot more in the present value, it's kind of like a bullet bond, you know, with a single lump sum far down in the future. That's one way to look at it. Um, value stocks have been more short, have, have become, you know, short duration assets. Um, their earnings were depressed, but now the probability of higher earnings are very high. And the market is becoming more convinced that those earnings are going to come. So I think those are great areas. And they right now are tend to be more capital intensive businesses only because the capital light businesses. And by that, I refer to. You know, you mentioned you know, Facebook doesn't really need to invest capital. I mean, they have servers, right? I mean, they're much more capital-like compared to a auto manufacturer, for example, or right. a bank that has to set aside capital as a reserve against, you know, uh, the risk they take. So, so, but, but, um, I don't particularly think that oh, value is always going to be in capital-intensive businesses. Uh, value will be found where there is valuations that are cheap. You know, sectors that have lagged. Companies that have underperformed, and we go in there to do the work to find out what the re-rating story would be, if there's any. Uh, and if I can find them in capital-light businesses, great. Uh, if I find them in capital-intensive businesses, I just have to make sure that they generate the cash flow to uh, to cover the capital expenditure they need to uh, spend, and then they will generate a a, 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 a a good return on the capital they they invest into their businesses. Uh, so, but I mean, when interest rates are low, it is actually helpful to all sorts of businesses, uh, even the economically sensitive ones, because, you know, they can borrow money at low rates to invest in capital. So I, I hope that answers your question there. It does. Thanks, Richard. Um, and uh, one thing that is interesting is when you take a look at some of the major industries uh, in the world, and it's probably most pronounced in the S and P 500. The concentration in uh, in the big uh, tech names, uh, and just given the the length of the most recent uh, growth rally, um, you're seeing those benchmarks really concentrate to these sort of uh, more growth stocks. 
Um, the stocks that you look yeah. to invest in and value stocks in general, how do you see them complementing the traditional investor portfolio that has either direct benchmark exposure or managers that are sort of aware of the benchmark? How do you how do you feel, you know, a value um, exposure, a specific value exposure would help complement that? Well, value is um, a, a great diversifier to all those portfolios. I mean, it's a great diversifier to the core or index plus or index like portfolio because we don't look anything like the index. You know, we're, I think our active share is about 95%. So that means that the 95% of the portfolio don't look like the index as a simplistic way of looking at it. On top of that, we are obviously a significant uh, and, and helpful diversifier from growth strategies. Uh, and, and in my mind, most investors in retail as well as institutional investors have been overly exposed to growth because of the performance over the last five years, five years plus. And as we can see, you know, in the last three, four months, uh, that the, 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 the spread between value and growth is significant. Uh, we, we're significantly outperforming both. So I think value right now, it's a great diversifier, and for for, for 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 clients who are not so sure, I think I think uh, whether whether this is time to uh, to to go long on value. I think the question they need to ask is, you know, uh, do I have enough concern about how sustainable core and growth would be that maybe I should add some diversification to my portfolio because value performs very differently, and our portfolio is uh, a very focused portfolio. Uh, we own about 55 stocks in the global portfolio, the Cuddle Value Fund, and there are 1,700 stocks in the global index. So we're very selective. We have high active share. We put the best ideas in the portfolio. And uh, we believe that uh, later this year, a lot of technology stocks are going to have very difficult comparison in terms of the like-for-like sales versus last year. And But their valuation is still extremely high. Again, sir, an increasing uh, long bond yield, that's going to compress the multiple. And I think people are going to realize that, uh, that you know, they might disappoint, disappoint uh, in, the, in the next few quarters. And the index is super exposed to those type of stocks. If you look at the MSCI world, top 10 stocks are all like U.S. tech names. And right. certainly in the S&P 500, it's, it's heavily skewed there. And as a group, they could bring down those indices. So even if you have an index product or core product, you could have uh, a dismal results because those stocks don't perform. And and it's actually, you know, the condo value fund and, and value strategies in general could perform just as well in that environment because we're not tied to those index weights and the heavy weights that the indices have in those type of names. Great. Uh, and maybe last question for you, Richard. Uh, when we look at uh, the history of uh, these regime shifts, call it uh, value versus growth, uh, that type of thing, how long do they usually last? Is it is it do you get a lot of the the shift at the beginning or, or, or these things extend over uh, multiple quarters and years? You know, the last two periods. Uh, where value as a style outperformed, um, they lasted for a number of years. Um, and certainly over the last decade, we've had like maybe two years where value did decently well and that kind of rolled over, fizzled out. And so there's a lot of skepticism about the sustainability of, of value. And I guess I highlight the fact that we are in a new economic environment, new cycle. I mean, we are recovering from a recession. 
And um, one, uh, second, uh, interest rates are recovering from zero to probably a more normal level over the next few years. So that will give uh, the um, sustainability to the value strategy, uh, to the cyclical stocks. And, but, but also on the flip side is how expensive the growth stocks have become. I think we, you need to think about both sides of the coin. And uh, in that environment, and I expect growth to underperform, even when they do, a lot of people will be surprised because we have a whole generation of investors who entered the market in the last decade. They have never right. seen these stocks go down, ever. And they don't think they will lose money. Um, I think when that environment changes, that could really wake up a lot of people to look, look at value. And I do see value having a, 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 a more sustainable uh, performance, a longer period uh, going forward. Uh, and uh, But what defines value could change. And sure. uh, I, I think in the next couple of years, if you know, if Amazon drops fifty percent, that'll be a value stock. You know, so 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 what defines value would change. Right now, the value is found in cyclicals. So what we do here is we'll evolve. We'll constantly look for where value is to be found. You know, we're not always going to be cyclical. Now, when the time is right and these cyclical stocks fully reflect the economic recovery, then chances are at that time more defensive stocks will be cheap, and maybe some of the growth stocks right now will look quite appealing at that time. And the strategy would uh, would do work in those areas and constantly look for new value ideas. Well, Richard, let's end it on that note. Uh, it sounds like uh, your, uh, your conviction in value is contagious. Uh, and, uh, and it sounds like you're, you're doing a great job uh, and that you're very optimistic about the future uh, of the strategy. So, so thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Great talking to you, Matt. And thank you for your time too. content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.